Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This week on the Gary Hour, what age were you when you got into sex work? I was in high school. I was a teenager. Did you find him attractive, the first guy? I found the idea of being his sexual fantasy very attractive. Right. Of being the embodiment right. of, like, sex personified. The only little twist is that your parents don't know you're there. Probably no one knew you were there. I mean, I didn't tell them about the dudes I was hooking up with after wow. school recreationally either. You know what I mean? True. Like, See, this is why I'm glad we're having this conversation. Yeah, like, what are you talking about? Yeah, I'm getting my mind open. This is great. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of The Gary Hour. I'm your host, Gary Levitt. This week, I talked to Caitlin Bailey. Caitlin is a uh, former sex worker. She's a stand-up comedian. She puts on shows. And she also just got a new job as director of communications for a new national organization working to decriminalize sex work. We talk a lot about sex work, prostitution, she was doing it when she was 17 in high school still. So I don't want to spoil the whole episode, but this is a good one. And I hope you enjoy. This episode is brought to you by Future Moments, makers of mobile apps for content creation. If you're a filmmaker, a podcaster, a musician, voiceover artist, go to the App Store and search for Future Moments because they have an app that'll make your life easier and your productions so much better. Okay, thank you for listening. Check out the show notes for links to Caitlin and more information. And uh, subscribe, tell your friends if you want. All that good stuff. But most of all, enjoy. Cool. All right. <laughs> Caitlin Bailey, thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. It feels we, like it's been so long. It's been a while since we've seen each other, but we've never <laughs> talked in depth like this. That's true. We've never done that. We haven't really done it yet, but we will. We're getting into it. This is good timing because you just got a new job. Yeah. Director, communications director for legalizing. Nope. No. Um, let me, let me start. Let me do let me it. Start over. Director of Communications for Decriminalized Sex Work. Decriminalized so, Sex Work. Yeah, we're a new national organization pursuing mm-hmm. a state-by-state uh, strategy to end 
prohibition of prostitution in the United States. You want to legalize prostitution. Decriminalize it. Decriminalize it. There is a difference. What is the difference? Well, I'll give you an example. Uh, Nevada is the only state in the union with legal, regulated prostitution, and they have the highest arrest rate per capita for prostitution. How is that possible? It creates a two-tier system. It forces women to work in regulated brothels where they have to register with the local sheriff as a registered prostitute. Mm -hmm. They have to get a state-mandated, publicly available STD test at their own expense every two weeks. They have to work 12 or 24-hour shifts. And there's no way to legally work in Vegas or Reno, the two largest markets for prostitution. So the police are super incentivized to crack down on the illegal sex workers working outside of the regulated brothels. And if you've ever been arrested for prostitution, you're not allowed to work in the brothels legally. So what are they arresting you for? What's the charge? Prostitution. Even though it's legal? Outside. Well, no, it's not. It's not like across the board legal. It's only legal if you register at the sheriff's office. Okay. Work in a brothel, which are all male owned, mm -hmm. right? There's no female owned brothels there. Are there are no female owned brothels in Nevada. That's surprising. Yeah, it's weird. It's almost like the boys' club cooperates. So huh. it's so it creates all of these barriers mm -hmm. that make it difficult for people to. It's impossible to work independently legally in Nevada. So you can't like work, you can't like set your own schedule. I see an opportunity here for a female owned brothel in well, Nevada. Yeah. I mean, you got to get your, your paperwork in order. And I think the, I don't know what the licensing fees are, but I know that they're extreme. There was a madam in New York that was uh, trying really, really hard to work, uh, to open a brothel in Nevada. Mm -hmm. Um, and she just couldn't get past the like wall of dudes that didn't want the competition. Oh. It's like pretty locked down. Cause I would imagine if, the competition's intense. I bet. Yeah. I bet it's good business. Yeah. <laughs> so you want to legalize it. You want to decriminalize it. I want to decriminalize it. it. I want to end, I want to treat prostitution like any other business, right? If so uh, everyone will be registered. N no. Like, like when you decide to become an interior designer, mm -hmm. you don't have to like register with the sheriff's office. Would the women have to be STD checked? I mean. Regulated? Look, uh, Sex workers want to protect their own sexual health, right? We're, yeah. we're uniquely incentivized <laughs> to keep our shit clean, mm -hmm. right? Right. That's been true. I want STD tests to be free and available and like super accessible for everyone. But I don't want to create, I don't want to turn sex workers into second class citizens by forcing them to do tests that we don't make everyone do and making that information available like they're not, like they're not citizens. <laughs> Right. I don't want to. I don't want to create uh, an exception to HIPAA just because you're a filthy whore. Like that's that's <laughs> bad logic. Right. And statistically, sex workers are not the the spreaders of disease that we've been made out to be. We take our sexual health seriously. Mm -hmm. If you're gonna throw anyone under the bus, throw sorority sluts under the bus. Okay, so you keep saying we. Yeah. I know you used to be a sex worker. Totally. Are you still? No. Well, I mean, I'm getting married, so it's like, where do you draw the line? Well, but, you can be both. No, no, no. Um, I, I mean, no. not within the marriage. I no <laughs> longer, I no longer engage um, in sex work. And personally, like, I think being a sex worker, uh, being a, you know, in my case, an escort, is a lot more like being a waitress than it is like being a marine. Mm. But in this society, a once a whore, always a whore stigma. Like, you know. like, a, like a Marine or a military. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're always a veteran. Always a veteran, right. <laughs> okay, I'll, we'll get back to your current, <laughs> your current position. Sure. But now I'm totally curious about 
first, what age were you when you got into sex work? I was in high school. I was a teenager. You were a teenager. Seventeen. Yeah. Uh, sure. Yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> I here's the thing. I I started working like months before my 18th birthday. Right. And it was actually in Raleigh, North Carolina, like 2004, 2005. Okay. And it was actually a local escort that like was like, hey, I see that you're new. Do you want to get a cup of coffee or whatever? And she sat down with me and she asked for my ID. Mm-hmm. And when I told her I was underage, she had me blacklisted from all of the sites that I was using to post. So you until found the Until I turned 18. And then she was like... You know, then welcome, she welcomed you. Welcome to the club, baby whore. Aha. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, but she she didn't want me working before my 18th birthday, not just for my own protection, right? But for the protection of the entire community. Because like, if I was caught, now I'm an underage child sex slave. Right. It'd bring and, attention. And, yeah. The FBI gets involved. Like it's crazy. Right. <laughs> yep. She wants to protect the industry. Of course. And yeah. And also, she's like, you should be 18. Right. Like, well, you got into it yourself. Yes. Younger than that. Yeah, yeah, like 17 and a half. So you're in high school? Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to set the scene here. You're in high sure. school. You're in Raleigh, North Carolina. Yeah. How did you end up getting into that? I Googled uh, Raleigh, uh, North Carolina escort, and then I read the FAQ section mm-hmm. um, on, the, on the website that uh, clients and uh, providers, as they were called, right. um, posted to like communicate with each other and got the lay of the land. So you were just curious. Yeah. And why yeah, I were you... didn't have like a drug habit to support. I wasn't taking a bunch of AP classes. And so it wasn't for the money? mm Was it for just your curiosity? I deeply suspected that we were just wrong about this. That like the story out there of like what it means to be a whore with like that people were just wrong. The stigma. The stigma. Yeah. yeah. You're just wrong. We've been wrong about this for 6,000 years. And now uh, with this new organization, uh, I'm going to prove it. Mm-hmm. But what was your experience with sex before that? Um, I'd lost my virginity to another boy on the debate team. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what age, if you don't mind? Uh, 16. Okay. Yeah. So you had had sex, not yeah. much. Sure. I mean, well, we, we had a lot of sex that year. <laughs> <laughs> Making up for lost time. Yeah. <laughs> Get it in there. Yeah. Sure. So you're, so he, was he still your boyfriend when you started getting into yes. sex work? Mm-hmm. Did he know about it? No. Right. Yeah. I imagine yeah. that would be a lot for... Yeah, it was a lot. And so, you know, in, in my, uh, you know, black and white teenage brain, mm-hmm. um, I was like, this isn't cheating. <laughs> There's this... <laughs> Wall of compartmentalize it. Compartmentalize it totally. Yes. So you're like, this is a job. It's mm-hmm. not cheating. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was a curiosity. Even then, uh, he described me, and I think would describe me to this day still as like having a happy-go-lucky fascination with the underworld. Mm-hmm. It's the same instincts that got me involved in comedy. <laughs> you know, right? Of like daredevil. This, yeah. What's this deep dark crevice of society all mm-hmm. about? There's no safety net. We yes. But there's a lot, it's a lot more dangerous than comedy. I mean, it isn't, actually. Really? There was way more sexual violence in my case in comedy than there ever was in sex work. Interesting. Yeah. So you weren't nervous at all when you started to peruse the mm-hmm. websites? and. No, I um, all of my clients had to do a lot of reference checking in order to book an appointment with me. So. But you didn't, you didn't have a, a boss or a pimp or a John or anything? Yeah. It was just you. Yeah, it was you. so much better than having a boss. Oh, my God. I'll when bet. I started 
when I started working at Starbucks, yeah. like at 22 years later, and they were like, clean up that human shit. I was like, I don't consent to that, man. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh my God. I've waited tables before. It's, right, it's yes, the worst. It is. It yeah, is. totally. And that's why people don't like working in brothels, mm. right? Because like the, the self-selected group of people that choose to do this work, right? right are like kind of, they're kind of like comics in that they're, they're lone wolf people, right? You know, you corral them into a brothel, you give them a boss and like a bunch of shitty restaurant bunch of rules. rules or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, ah, oh, fuck this, man. All right. So what was your first experience like? You, 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 did you put up a profile? I did. Offering? So I put up, I put up an ad mm -hmm. and I got like over a hundred emails. Did you put a picture up? No. No, no picture at all. This is 2004, right? It's okay. Just, so it so was a dial up? A, yeah, right. Yeah, basically. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so, you know, like a little late description. I pretended that I was a 20 year old mm -hmm. communications major and, uh, because I didn't want to freak anyone out. And also like, I didn't, I was never a, a young looking teenager. Like right. I couldn't have marketed myself as a barely legal, even though I wasn't legal. You know what I mean? Like right. it wasn't. Cause that's like a certain genre. Yeah. Right. That's like an itty bitty teeny tiny. I was just, I was like a long titted, like uh -huh. mature looking <laughs> right. person. So and obviously uh, your parents didn't know about no, this. No, of course not. Right. Um, and so, you know, I, I posted an ad, I got hundreds of emails with this like Yahoo account that I set up under a fake name and I asked for people's real name, mm -hmm. uh, where they worked, and two um, industry references, which is other women that they had seen um, and presumably not like robbed or killed or upset. Um, and so, they, they were okay giving you this information? Yeah, that was a uh, standard procedure. That's what I learned le reading the FAQ section. Oh, nice. And, like, and, and, that, and that's how I got connected to that woman that took me out for coffee and forced me to stop. <laughs> So she, we'll get, we'll she get was back. a reference check, yeah. We'll get back to the story, but she took you out for coffee to get you to stop. No, yes. Well, she didn't know that when she took me <laughs> out for like, coffee. You're like, I want to get hired to a bigger yeah, there's job. A, there's, like a, there's a community. There's a camaraderie. Like, you know, when older comics take younger comics out, right. they'll be like, yeah. hey, kid. I'll show you the ropes. Yeah, I'll show you the ropes. It was like that kind of thing. She was like, hey, I see that you're new. Right. You know, it's my turn. <laughs> like it's... Okay, so you're, you're 17. You sound super savvy. Yeah. Maybe 16. 17. Uh, no, 17. Definitely 17. <laughs> I lost my virginity at 16. Okay. Like, yeah. It wasn't that busy of a year. Right. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so Still you... Still had classes, man. Like, it was busy. Yeah, right. You're going more, to school. I got more done in a day back then than I do now. It's like, I can't do laundry, uh, take out the trash, and uh, do my job in the same day. That's, like, overwhelming. And then mm -hmm. back in the day, I was like... Four AP classes, uh, running my own business, mm -hmm. uh, home uh, for dinner, and like doing a school play. Like it was just like, okay. So, so much was happening. So you you put the ad out. You got a hundred emails. Yeah. You went through them. Mm -hmm. Did you ask them to send pictures? Did that no, matter? No, of course not. Didn't matter what. Didn't they matter like. what they looked like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what happens? What? How much vetting do you do? Do you? I told you, real name, mm -hmm. right? Where they worked. I can, I confirm that, right? I call the company and right. ask for the name that was given to me. Yeah. And if whoever answers the phone is like, yeah, sure. Let me transfer you. I hang up. And if they're like, so-and-so doesn't work here, then I like never respond to that email again. So you must've found more than one client. You must've found at least 20. Oh, yeah, of course. Hundred. And so we, you know, and then it, and then it becomes a scheduling issue. And I like, so you were willing to take on all those clients. You weren't just looking for like one. No. You were just starting a whole business. I was. I started a whole business with one ad. Yes, with one ad. Crazy. Okay. Yeah, but this is the this is the golden age, right? Like this is the uh, post cell phone, pre smartphone 
era of the like unregulated internet where mm-hmm. I was able to do all of this reference checking. Right. When SESTA-FOSTA passed in April, like all of the ecosystems that sex workers built for themselves on the internet, of which this was one of them, went away what overnight. What is SESTA-FOSTA? What is that? It's the stop and it's what got me like... It's what reactivated me in okay. politics, right? Because before I was like, I'll be a Maui whore. I'll do my one woman show. I'll tell my jokes on stage. And then that passed and it's like, fuck it. I'm putting my armor back on and getting back into the street fight. Nice. Um, it's the Stop Enabling Sex Trafficking Act. Um, it was signed by Donald Trump into law in April. And it basically uh, opens up all web platforms to criminal liabilities if any one of their users is, quote, promoting prostitution. So Backpage went away. Eros went away. Like all Mm. of these websites that people were using to advertise uh, and connect with clients and reference check uh, disappeared overnight. I'm surprised he would do that because I would imagine a lot of his friends would be pissed off about that. Well... (laughs) Great point. Uh, he's happy uh, <laughs> raping actual children in all of the uh, uh, and the um, little Teen America contest yeah. or whatever it is. Yes, Miss Teen Trump Ms. America. Miss Teen Trump America. Gross. Okay, so you had probably at least twenty clients now. Sure. Yeah. What was the first one like? You're seventeen years old. You set up. It was um, hilarious. Mm-hmm. And awkward and empowering and an adrenaline rush. How was old like was the guy? All of the things. Oh gosh, I don't know, forties, okay. somewhere in there. So yeah. he's seventeen, he's in his forties. Right. He's got so much more sexual experience than you. Uh, sure. And also just being a woman, the odds are that he's more physically strong yeah. than you. So you're putting yourself in a subordinate position or a dangerous position physically. Which is the same position that I put myself in with every frat boy that I hooked up with in college. Mm. Every, every like right. every male person, like even right now. I mean, Gary, like I don't, I've been taking Muay Thai lessons, but I invited you into my home and you've got like a foot and like at least but five a, or six pounds of muscle on me. You could probably give me a pretty good fight. I mean, but come on. Like, I, it's, I'm a thin guy. I, I can't. <laughs> I haven't You're also a coward. I mean, like, yeah, let's, I mean, be, let's be I'm honest. I'm a pacifist. I, couldn't, I haven't fought in sure. years. <laughs> so the likelihood of this guy mm-hmm. physically attacking me after successfully seeing uh, two other escorts in the area and right. being respectful enough with them for them to provide positive references. You feel like he's him. more vetted than any of your he dates. He was way more vetted than right. any <laughs> rec sex that I ever had right. for the rest of my life. Right. The only little twist is that your parents don't know you're there. Probably no one knew you were there. I mean, I didn't tell them about the dudes I was hooking up with after school wow. recreationally either. You know what I mean? True. Like, See, this is why I'm glad we're having this conversation. Yeah, like, what are you talking about? Yeah, I'm getting my mind open. This is great. <laughs> Weirdo. Okay. So what do you do? do hey, you... mom, uh, I'm just going to blow um, <laughs> our next door neighbor. No, it's cool. Like, he's my age and, like, I'm doing it for fun. It's chill. Bye. Like, I mean, if you can't find me, I'm probably in his backyard. <laughs> I mean, I read your mom was liberal. So. <laughs> okay. So what do you do? You meet in a hotel room? Yeah. He pays for the hotel. He I pays imagine. for the hotel room. Yep. And did you have to get a special dress or anything? Um, I thought so, which mm-hmm. is what made the first appointment so awkward and right. uncomfortable because I was like, let me get into costume. Yeah. But, yeah. uh, but it turns out that uh, no, uh, you don't, have, you don't have to fucking do that. No. Mm-hmm. Guys are happy if you meet them at the door. And you could roll up like totally us fine. and just like a sweater and a t-shirt. Yeah. They're fine with that. Actually. <laughs> it turns out lingerie is for women. <laughs> nice. So what happens when were you, were you nervous? Um, I was, I was excited. I was, it felt like, it felt like audition jitters or like mm. opening night jitters, mm. you know, of like, 
you know, am I going to be able to pull off this performance right. kind of thing? But no fear. No. No, like, real fear for your safety. No. Now, like, I don't know if part of that is being a teenager, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, we... Right, we're immortal. Right, yeah, right, yeah, we're, yeah. you're immortal. It's like, yeah, I can drive 110 miles an yeah. hour <laughs> down, down my, my home street. We're the exception. Right, exactly. Worst case scenario, my mom finds out I was speeding. <laughs> yeah. Not that I wrapped myself around this tree. That's not a thing that happens. That's the beauty of the beginner's mind. You know, <laughs> you just God, like, right. the, the ignorance is amazing. Yeah, teenagers, they are shaped so much like adults. Yeah, but yeah. not that beginner's mind. Man, so yeah, I would. Uh, so there was definitely the the like age appropriate feelings of immortality, right. right? Like there's a reason we recruit soldiers um, at 17, 18 years old, right? Um, and there was also the the rational, like vetting, like it really it really was actually safer mm-hmm. than any of the uh, like hookup culture stuff that I ended up doing after that. Right. Cause like, I lost my virginity to a, a kid that I knew, right. We'd that be you dating, liked. that I liked, that I loved, you know, that we met on the debate team. It was very sweet. We were like nerds together. You found them attractive. Of course. Mm-hmm. Right. And then I, I started doing sex work like immediately after that, which was this very negotiated sort of like formal thing where like I was the professional in the room and I set the rules. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I went to college and got into the hookup culture mm. where like dudes my age were very comfortable treating me with absolute disrespect and disregard and like trying to do things like slip the condom off and like being an Ooh. asshole. And I never experienced that with a client because right. if a client ever did that, I would blacklist him. Right. I'd blow up his spot, you know, like he was a... And, so it was uh, a real interesting like sort of juxtaposition of like, oh, th- things are not what they seem. Mm-hmm. Things are not what you think they are. So you're facing that stigma head on and you're like getting these realizations. Right, yeah. Did you find him attractive, the first guy? I found the idea of being his sexual fantasy very attractive. Right. Of being the embodiment right. of like sex personified. So it, it got so, you in the mood enough. Yeah, of course. Can, but like yeah. that was that was sort of always the thing is like I I liked being this goddess, mm-hmm. More, and it it wasn't really about me wanting to have sex with that guy so much as it was wanting to be that guy's sexual fantasy, and that was the that was the attraction that was the the eros energy. Dare right. I say that, your like, desire? Sort of fuel, you're feeling empowered. My desire to be desired. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Wow. So did you do this for the rest of your high school? Yeah. Yeah. And I quit when I went to college because then, you know, my schedule got more complicated. You must've made a lot of money. I did. Yeah. How, how often were you doing it in high school? I was like three or four days a week, three or four days a week. Yeah. How much were you charging? A, a lot of money. A lot. Of yeah. That. I was yeah. at the top of the market. Wow. So I, I looked at what everyone else was charging mm-hmm. and I added $50 basically because I didn't want to, I wasn't working volume. Right. right. Like I was busy. So you went up instead of down. You're like, I'm, a, I'm not going to undercut him. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I was like, I, I wasn't interested in like, you know, squeezing a bunch of clients in. I wanted to, I wanted to have like vetted ongoing relationships. Right. So I did that. Amazing. So what, what do you, how do you hide all this money from your parents? Um, I, I got a shitty job 
at a shitty restaurant where I was sexually harassed by my managers and then couldn't report it uh, for fear of anyone finding out about the sex work stuff. Mm. Yeah. So talk about sexual disrespect outside of the sex industry. <laughs> and talk res- about a, talk- People respected my boundaries uh, as an right, escort. Right. And talk about a busy high school kid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no. So uh, these assholes, I mean, like, they're still shitty restaurant managers. So, mm-hmm. you know, I guess there is some justice in this world. So your parents, they know now what was happening. Yes, they do. Yeah. Okay. And I read online that your mom is very liberal, but your dad is ultra conservative. Super conservative. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I don't want to get, I don't want to go too much on a tangent, but I am curious how a marriage like that even works. Um, but <laughs> yeah, great, great questions. Yeah. Um, they have such a good relationship with their dog. Um, and they, the dog is the object of their the mutual love. The dog is the object of their mutual love. And, and like, they also have, I mean, they've been together for going on like 35 years now. Um, and they have that sort of like interdependence that any relationship does. Like mm. my father hasn't seen a checkbook in right. 30 years. Like, I don't think he would know. I like how you use interdependence instead of codependence. I think <laughs> a codependence is probably a more accurate term. It does sound nice. more negative. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, they, I mean, like they're, they're, they're a couple and they, they like to make fun of each other. And, uh, you know, my mom donates to the ACLU and Planned Parenthood and, and her Unitarian church. Yeah. My dad <laughs> shoots chipmunks and probably still donates to the NRA, even though he said that he stopped. Right. So I like to say, uh, between the two of them, they have the whole bill of rights covered. So you stopped, uh, prostituting when you went into college. Yeah. When did, when did your parents find out? Um, when I wrote my one woman show about it, uh, a couple of years ago okay, and so promoted the show. So yeah, they never like, this didn't have to come out. This right. could have been a secret that I kept. Yeah. And I just couldn't do that. So did you Part tell it, them or did you just invite them to the show and they found out in the seats? <laughs> it's, it's actually a funny story. I, uh, it, and it's a cowardly story. I wrote the whole show, uh, and then promoted it kind of like knowing in the back of my mind that my parents also have access to the internet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I didn't, I didn't address it directly. So they, they found out by reading, reading the rave reviews. Oh no. Yeah. So they found out after other people. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. And what was the reaction? Well, my mom, uh, my mom said, I can't believe you sold your body. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said, I didn't, I still have it, uh, which is an objectively true statement. <laughs> and then my dad and I had a, an interesting conversation because his mother didn't want him joining the army. Mm-hmm. Right. And he did that at 17. Mm. Um, and so we both have like in our bones, kind of a fuck you watch this essence but did he see that? Did he see himself in you with that? Yeah. He I did? Th- yeah. Uh, eventually he did. Did you have to point that out? No. No. He's, no, he's known me since I was an obnoxious baby. Like, yeah. he knows me. And he, he knows the, uh, like, the, I'm a contrarian by nature. Right. And so I think he understands now, um, like, he, he's 40 years older than I am. Um, you know, he was born like poor in like rural Kansas and grew up, um, as a white man in America and then, and then worked hard to give me the accoutrements of like an upper middle class life. So freedom has always meant very different things to both of us, Mm -hmm, right? Like he's pro-choice because he watched 
his sister's friend die and watched his sister become a mother at 15 and the impact that that had on it her It impacted him personally, so... Right, but So like, he's not that conservative if he's pro-choice. Right, but he... But he thinks it's murder. Okay. But he's... But he also, like, did murder for money. Like, so... Right, Like, right. that's what being a soldier yeah. is on a fundamental level. So it's not that he doesn't think that abortion is murder. It's that he's fine with murder, actually. So it's it's kind of a weird... Like, I think we see each other clearly. Like, right. a, you know, a soldier and a sex worker being like, we've seen. And maybe the since you're a baby, society. he saw like your stubbornness and yeah. your fighting, your yeah. fight. He must not have come to this right away, though. No, but he like, mu- but I wasn't there for that process. Right. You they know, read I it online. Yeah. And then did they I call live you? in New York. Right. Yeah. I went, yeah, I went home and we had this conversation. They didn't even call you and say, wow, look, no, we no, read. No, 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 no. They, they held no it way. in. No, my, yeah, they held it in. We're mm-hmm. good wasps in that way. <laughs> Barreling all up yeah. inside. Yeah, we're all going to get cancer. It's fine. <laughs> so you went home and you, were you expecting the convo to happen? Yeah. And I was, and I was dreading it in some way because I, I don't think of this as a mistake. I wouldn't trade the perspective that sex work has given me mm-hmm. for anything. But I knew that my father would see it as a personal failure. Um, as a man, right? As a provider, as like a, a a patriarch. But he, you said you mentioned that you grew up upper middle class. I did. So he did provide. He totally provided. I have no college debt. I have the best cowboy boots money can buy. <laughs> like, right. You know. And you're probably making uh, more money than he was, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's but but we do that to men. You know, we tell them that their wife and their daughter's body is something for them to govern and control. You know, we don't, we don't actually accept uh, female autonomy, especially sexual autonomy in this culture. Mm-hmm. And so that was something that he uh, had to get over. That, yeah. it's, that it's, you know, in the same way that his mother had to get over her son's choice to become a soldier. You know, did, he wasn't drafted. That did was he, a, did a he ask you if you were going to do it again? No. He never asked that? No. Did it harm your relationship? It's... With him or your mom? Colored our relationship. No, my parents are fine. They're, like, they're fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It colored your relationship it with each of relationship. them? No, no. My mom and I have always had a tense relationship. So, like, it was just, like, one more one more thing, you know? Right. That she couldn't understand. Um, but with my dad, it... I think it actually freed him to see me less as a little girl and more as a person. Mm-hmm. And so there was, um, he was, I think, more open about sharing the hard parts of his perspective and was less invested in uh, that irritating thing that dads and dudes uh, do in mixed company, dare uh-huh. I say, of like protecting me right. from profanity or... Uh, you know, edgy jokes or like hard realizations. Right, trying to have like a soft environment right, for you. Right, yeah, to protect his little girl. Right, from, there's yeah. women around, don't right. cuss. Right, yeah, exactly, and all that bullshit <laughs> right. and everything that it entails. That's, the, well, that's all kind of kind of old-fashioned now. Well, he's pretty old. So right, right, <laughs> like, yeah. Fascinating. So uh, did you end up doing it again after college? Yeah, yeah. I um, I ended up working here actually with in New York. Uh, in New York, mm-hmm. um, not as an escort. I did sugaring, which is um, and it's a 
the new name for a very old thing, but I found uh, one client mm-hmm. who committed to um, supporting me for years, actually. Years. Years, yeah. And it was, it was so interesting because um, when we started, he wasn't married, mm-hmm. you know? And so we, and I did that, like, the rules thing that they tell you to do where it's like, you know, I didn't you set the boundaries. Call. I you, set the boundaries mm-hmm. and I didn't like, I didn't return his calls. If he called after Wednesday, uh, I was, I was never as available as he wanted me to be. I made him wait until like the fourth or fifth date before consummating her relationship. And then he was hooked just, just like they said they would be in the, the books that they published in the really? 1950s Is, about like how to, how to rope in a dude. <laughs> like, so you nagged him for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I <laughs> nagged him for a while and he was hooked. But um, he was he was unmarried when we started, mm-hmm. and we we very sporadically saw each other because I you know I was making comedy such a priority and like he was fairly busy and I was very strict about like I will not cancel shows for you, mm. but I will protect time that we schedule essentially. Was he allowed to come to a show? No. <laughs> um. So like, but so but he would have to book things like you know a week or so in advance or whatever, and he was really bad at doing that. So I ended up just getting these monthly checks without. Ever, like without seeing him all that often, and then uh, he got married. And so wait, wait, wait. Th- this is a salary job. Yeah. So how do you set that up with him? You set it up like, all right, you'll he, pay me this much per mm-hmm. month, and I'll see you x amount of times. Right, but the x amount of times never materialized mm-hmm. because, like, we were just so bad at scheduling things. That's very New York, right? Yeah, <laughs> so hard. But like, yeah, I, I was, uh, I was a consultant. Was the official. Um, title uh-huh. so i was an, an independent contractor but i was on payroll so he was allowed to call you even of if course, you couldn't meet of course yeah we yeah we're yeah we're still in touch i think of him as a friend mm-hmm. like he was, it, i think i will no i think of him as like a good old boss i used to have where right. like things were fine but when you would meet up was it guaranteed he would have sex well yeah until he got married and then that shifted our relationship, interestingly enough. Like we never, this was, this was something that we, we never really talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, but we would get together and all of a sudden he, it, he wasn't, we weren't having sex anymore. And I was like, and there, you know, there's part of me. What would you do when you got together? Uh, we'd cuddle and talk and mm-hmm. he would, uh, he would tell me what I assume is like the most lionized version of his professional achievements that probably his wife and everyone else in his life would call bullshit on. And I was just like fascinated. <laughs> so instead of treating you like a shrink where he's telling you mm-hmm. all of his sorrows and stuff. Yeah. He's, t- he's bragging to you. Yeah, He's bragging to me mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. It was, it was interesting and it was kind of a, a strange, like up close window into, um, you know, the 1% like, mm. Right. Looking at that that psychology and that that lifestyle and that um, was it the power you think he liked? Like, what's getting him off about that? I think he fancied himself um, a philanthropist. I think he I think he genuinely was and genuinely thought of himself as like helping a he's struggling su- artist. He's supporting an artist. He's supporting an artist directly. Right. Not like all that bullshit charity money that just gets spent on asking people for more charity money. He gets to actually see. He gets to see up close my professional development, you mm-hmm. know, like the the one woman show and the the you know the all of the all of the stuff. Do you mind if I ask how much he was sending you per month? It was a lot. Really? Yeah. More than 3 grand? Yes. More than 5? At 5. 
Okay. Yeah. So you're that, so you don't even have to work. Like that's it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I ran an Airbnb because dependency can, you know, really change the psychology. Like being, you know, being vulnerable. Yeah. Makes you vulnerable. So I immediately started running an Airbnb, but I used that like startup money to get myself into a sustainable housing situation mm-hmm. um, and started the the Airbnb, which was also, you know, flexible and something that I could work around and yep. like, gave my, my whole energy to um, all of the projects that I was working on. Yeah. The artistic projects. The artistic projects, which I mean, you know, you're an artist. They're infuriatingly nebula like they never end they never end yeah it's never like oh i'm done right yeah yeah you don't get that satisfaction always yeah so would he come to you when you would meet um he knew where you lived yeah but he wouldn't come to my apartment um because i always had guests um you know he would get it's actually funny um we would meet at some of the nicest hotels in the city um and then i would take all of those toiletries to my Airbnb. <laughs> right. Uh, and now that I'm working as a political operative, it's just shitty holiday inns. So like my Airbnb goodie bag has like really taken a nosedive in terms of like what, <laughs> you what, better. what soaps are available. <laughs> Did you have a boyfriend at all during this? Um, on again, off again. Yeah. I would okay. have, I had some relationships. And um, would you tell the... Yes. Yeah. I believed in, in full disclosure after mm-hmm. my my teenage thing, which I like, I felt guilty about uh, not telling my first boyfriend about right. what happened. So I believed in full disclosure after that. You're also to prevent violence, you know, like my, the only time um, I really like feared for my life uh, in bed with a man was when I first moved to New York, I started dating um, very seriously. This is before I started sugaring, like before I, so I, at that point I hadn't done sex work for mm. seven years and I started dating this Irish chap. Um, and two months into our relationship, I told him that I used to be an escort. And he freaked the fuck out. Yeah. And so... Um, you told him in person? Yes. I would have told him over the phone. Well, uh, I just <laughs> never slept with anyone again that didn't already know. Um, right. And that seemed to solve the problem. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Yeah. Yeah. So he freaked out and you were scared he was going to get physical? No, he, he did get physical. He did? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you report his ass? No. Why not? Sex workers can't do that. Right. Yeah. Doesn't matter how long Until it's legalized. Until it's decriminalized. 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 <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. So you had this, uh, do, do you call him a sugar daddy? 
I hate that word. Is that a bad term? I hate it. I mean, like, that's the word. You're yeah. not wrong. Like, that's, I, uh, I called him um, a patron. Patron. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's right. because that's, that's really more what it felt like. Right. You know, and I mean, like, you know, everyone knows Leonardo da Vinci was fucking his right. patron. Yeah. Yeah. So when he got ma- he got married first, well, before you, you kept him through all your relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, and I imagine if you were like getting with a guy and you liked somebody and then you told him, some guys were like, oh, I can't deal with that. Yeah. And I didn't date those guys. Right. Yeah. So when he got married, Mm-hmm. Did he, he did not tell me. He didn't tell he, you. No, he. Uh, the checks kept coming. Mm-hmm. Why did the checks stop? Um, they stopped. The hilarious story. He got. Uh, so he got married, mm-hmm. right? Um, and he got in trouble uh, with his wife. Uh, nothing to do with me, but he got caught flirting with somebody else in Las Vegas, and the fight just kept escalating and so he sat down with his attorney and was like eh walk me through what might happen if there was a divorce wow and so the attorney was like well first of all you have this consultant on your payroll that maybe shouldn't be and so to protect himself that that ended and it just so happened to coincide um with the relationship that i'm in now um escalating but when when i started this relationship I was still uh, on this guy's payroll, and that was known and understood and accepted. So your your fiance, my current, yeah, my fiance, your fiance knew mm-hmm. that this guy could have sex with you whenever he wanted. Yeah, part of the deal. Part of the deal. So I'm guessing this guy. But didn't. like, my fiance also understands fundamentally that mm-hmm. he doesn't own my body even now, even though I'm not on this guy's payroll. Right. So. Do you guys have an open relationship? We don't. I mean, we have a monogamous relationship, but right. like we, but sexual fidelity is not the glue holding this ship together. Right. Like, so it's, we are both open to a future where there are other sexual partners. So we're open to an open future. Right. Basically. But if you want to start prostituting, you're going to have to clear that with him. Yeah. I, yeah. I would want to have, I would want it to be honest. Just like if he started a business, I'd want him to be like, Hey, so I want to start this business. Right, right. I'm going to be in China every week. You know, like that's... Because you're partners like, now. We're partners, yeah. exactly. It's a, but it's a partnership issue, not a I own your body right. yep. issue. Yep. Yeah. Because everything in a partnership, everything you do will affect him. Sure, and vice versa. Yeah. And that's something that I understand now that was like both, both something that I didn't understand and also something that wasn't true when I was like a teenager dating. You know what I mean? It's right. like two 17 year olds fucking is not a partnership where you have to clear every decision. Like I sh- should I go to college, Johnny? Like don't, don't be that person. No. Cause you're, you're <laughs> living with your parents. Exactly. <laughs> you're in a partnership with your parents. really. Right. Uh, yeah. So, but the, you know, the power dynamics there are pretty fucked up. I'll bet. <laughs> <laughs> so with, um, the, the sugar guy, what, what do I call him? Call, call him my your, patron. Your, your patron. Yeah, sure. So with your patron, he obviously didn't tell his wife about you. Mm-mm. So she had no idea. Yeah. So he was basically whatever. Well, he was making a lot of choices that I, I wouldn't have. Right. Yeah. And you're still in touch with him? Very casually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like we had, um, we had drinks a couple of months ago. Uh, I texted him about this new job, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that. Yeah. He feels like, like a friend. 
Yeah, but like a very, like an acquaintance, you know, yeah. like it's not, we don't text every day. So there's something to this because there's so much stigma. Mm-hmm. There's an element of living a double life. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so much stigma that you can't tell a majority of the people in your life that you're doing that. That's not true anymore. That is true for most people that do this work. And it was certainly true for the first decade mm-hmm. uh, after I decided to uh, go to the dark side. Yeah. Um, but so you tell I people. Have, I, I, my job description is that I'm the director of communications for decriminalized sex work. So it doesn't necessarily mean you've ever done it. No. And I work with colleagues who haven't, you know, like our Mm -hmm. attorney uh, went to law school to decriminalize sex work and she, Mm -hmm. she's never sold sex. And we have a therapist that's worked with trafficking victims for 20 years and she's never sold sex. Um, And we have an executive director who couldn't sell sex if he tried. So like it's, (laughs) you know, uh, we absolutely, but Part of my job is being open about my history. But even before I took this job, I had designed my life around surrounding myself with people that knew about this, this work. Mm-hmm. And it was a form of self-protection. I think that uh, you, know, you, you become more vulnerable the more isolated you are. And so if you, can't, if you can't tell anyone in your life about what your job is, you, really, you can't report your rapes. You can't report domestic. You can't do... Right any of those things. And I, I learned that lesson the hard way telling this, like when I told my, my ex that, that the Irish me, dude, the Irish dude, um, when I told him about mm. this secret, it was a secret and that really limited, uh, my choices. And so I, I decided, uh, never again. Right. Well, it's and so started, brave. Yeah. It, it takes so much courage to do that because because of the stigma, mm-hmm. a lot of people will be like, Whoa, Caitlin, I cannot hang with that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Even and friends, I'm we're sure. We're not friends. That never, yeah, I mean, like, it'd be weird if a comic did that, right? Like, can you imagine, like, a stand-up comic being like, I am fine with drug addicts and rapists, right. but a whore <laughs> is a bridge too far. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, like, imagine it's just other people, yeah. you know? No, it's it's something that is uh, is absolutely frowned upon in society. And I think that a lot of that has to do with the misconceptions. And I think a lot, a lot like what, where the LGBT community was in the mm-hmm. 1950s and 60s, mm-hmm. because of the stigma right. and the shame that it makes that causes, it worse. It makes it so much worse because people won't tell you, mm-hmm. uh, they won't come out and, and, uh, you know, dissuade you of your dumb ideas about like what it means to be a gay person yeah. for fear of outing themselves. So it's the same with addicts it's too. A, exactly. Yeah. And so like, I think that, you know, we've told ourselves this lie since the 19th century and the progressive era and like white slavery of like what it means to be a prostitute. And we've created so much stigma and so much shame and so much harm in outing yourself as mm-hmm. a sex worker that we've just let that lie continue Right. Because in order to combat it, you have to put yourself in, in pretty grave danger. Is there a common personality trait between... It's the oldest profession. It's always taken all kinds of kinds. All kinds of women. All kinds of kinds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, clients and sex workers. How about male sex workers? Have you encountered them? I have, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So most male sex workers, um, and you know, m- men are usually the clients. There right. are female clients, but yeah. they're they're rare. But I've I've absolutely met male sex workers, and I'm starting to connect with them more and more on Twitter, uh, because of 
Uh, well, because of Twitter. So <laughs> poor, like, Twitter Twitter connects all kinds of people. Well, I imagine with this Porn new job, stars. you're going to meet all kinds of new people. Yes. Yeah, I'm really mm-hmm. excited. What do you think you're going to do? I mean, this could lead to so much. I mean, I could see a book happening. Sure. I'm working on a book right now. It's a, a collection of personal essays. About your experiences with? With all kinds of things. But mm-hmm. yes, sex work is an element of that. But I yeah. talk about being a comic. I talk about being an activist. I talk about being a soldier's daughter. Mm. Um, I talk about being a New Yorker. You know, there's, it, like I, I like to say again, like being a sex worker is a lot more like being a waitress than it is like being a Marine. It's not this all-encompassing identity. I've well, done other things. It is an interesting comparison because you could be, as a waiter, when I was doing it, mm-hmm. you can be made to feel like a servant. Mm-hmm. Or you can like turn it around in your head yeah. and be like, no, I'm not a servant. I'm like the bartender. I'm like giving them yeah, what they want. Exactly. So yeah. it's I all think, in your, uh, your attitude. I, yeah, I absolutely, I think it's a lot in your attitude and it's also a lot about, you know, stratified like social status, like even within the service industry, like, you know, you have, uh, you know, cashiers at fast food restaurants mm-hmm. and you have sommeliers. Mm, right. They all work in the food industry. So like the sex industry is similarly stratified stratified with everything in between. Yeah, I've always found it interesting that the waiter is treated like a servant, but the bartender is treated like a god. Right, yeah, <laughs> it exactly. makes no sense. Mm, addicts is the answer. Interesting, yeah. <laughs> so is there a difference with the male sex workers? Um, I haven't, uh, I don't know. I feel like I don't, I, I haven't met enough folks and I haven't been doing um, like academic evaluative um, like research to speak with any authority on mm-hmm. that. But like, we're all pretty stigmatized, but I think that there is an element of male privilege that like when a dude tells you he's a sex worker, it doesn't have the same kind of like gut punch. Mm. Um, well, that, you assume that he's, he's a uh, satisfying other gay men. Yes. Yeah. That, that is the assumption. Yeah. And like, sometimes that's true. Sometimes it's not, mm-hmm. you know, like one of my, one of my good friends actually is, uh, sort of like a cis, straight dude that's attracted to femme uh, mm-hmm. women, like both uh, both trans and cis. Uh, and, and he works in the porn industry. But yeah, he hasn't, it, yeah, it just doesn't, you know what, I don't know. I can't, I can't speak to the male experience because yeah. it isn't mine. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, with this new job, you're basically going to be lobbying? Yeah, we're going to be doing some lobbying. We're going to be doing public education. So it's going Can to... it be federally legalized or does it have to be state by state? It has to be state, state by state. Yeah. It has to be state by state. But if it's done state by state and the federal federally it's not There's no federal law against prostitution. There's a federal law against um, marijuana. Yes. Eh. Yeah, right? Uh the federal law against prostitution would be the Man Act, which would be taking a woman over state lines. The Man Act? The Man M A N N. Okay. Um, yeah, that no, sounds it's terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The man the man uh hilarious actually. It really is the man. It's um historically Named after somebody. Yeah, some yeah, some dude, Mr. Okay. Man, presumably. Mr. Man. Mr. Man, the Man <laughs> Act. Um, yeah, so that's that's a federal law about it's you know, the Interstate Commerce Act essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, that says that you can't take a woman across state lines for immoral purposes. It was famously used against um, you know, that boxer who had a white girlfriend. Right. Um, yeah. yeah, so it's like been misused right. the whole time. It's one and of those loose laws that you can It's one of those loose laws and now it's actually being applied for a single women traveling alone. Um, are being like targeted and asked and um, subjected to more scrutiny as part of this like anti-trafficking hysteria. Like the mm. Marriott Hotel 
um, just trained all of their employees to watch out for single women to see if they were trafficking victims. Uh, if they did such nefarious deeds as ask for more towels or sit at the bar alone. Um, so like there's something happening. And what I know as uh, somebody who studied this issue through my podcast, the oldest profession, yeah. um, is that when a society cracks down on its whores, it actually cracks down on the freedom of movement and freedom of expression of women in that society. Right. So that's a pattern we've seen over and over again. And we're, we're living that now, um, which is one of the reasons that I want to do this work. Um, and then so it's the not other, a federal issue, no the matter other who federal, president. Well, the other federal issue is the SESTA-FOSTA um, issue. But uh, that's that's got to be, that has to be a future thing that we deal with. We have to take care of the the criminal, like the police officers arresting sex workers. Right. That's a, that's a local police officer issue. Yeah, and do you think decriminalizing will bring some of the drugs out of it? Yeah, I do. Because I think like black markets create um, like violence and abuse and exploitation. So right. I think that if you if you separate uh, like a lot, you know, part of the reason that like drugs and sex are intertwined is be because they're both criminalized. So you need people that are able to circumvent laws. Like, so yeah, yeah it becomes part of that stigma. You exactly. live that secret double life. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, although I will tell you that, you know, the hardest drug users I know, um, are all investment bankers. But, you know, that's because that's, they have that's money. that's acceptable drugs. <laughs> no, no, no. It's like cocaine and stuff. I'm right, not talking yeah. about like prescription pills. Right. But it's not like dirty heroin or anything right. or crack yeah. even, which right. is right, right, cocaine. Right. Yeah. Sure. Right. Wow. Exciting. I feel like I could talk to you uh, much more than this, but uh, we have to wrap it up. Thank you. But uh, very exciting new job and the book is coming along. Yeah, it's coming along. So... Look for that. And I'm also developing a show at Caveat Theater mm -hmm. um, called History, A Whore's Eye View, 10,000 Years of Sex Work History in 60 Minutes. Um, and of course, listen to the podcast, The the Oldest Profession. Um, oh, when is the show going up? Uh, great question. We um, It's on its feet for the first time, February 7th, but it's not open to the public until after that. Cool. It'll so be on your website. It'll be on my website. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. So follow me. Um, I'm sorry. Is this time for plugs? Is that what we're doing? <laughs> You can plug, but I'm going to put a link in the show notes. Great. Yeah. You can follow me on Twitter, uh, Caitlin Bailey. It's spelled weird. Um, and you can follow the podcast, Old Pro Podcast. And you'll eventually be able to follow uh, Decriminalized Sex Work once we get uh, our ducks in a row enough for, for to be on Twitter. We're still a very new organization. Our website isn't up yet. <laughs> awesome. Well, yeah. thank you. Thank you. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.